Hello, lovers. Thanks for listening to another episode of Hello, Lover. So, this is going to be my last episode for season one. And then, if you'd like to hear a season two, then I would like to record it. So, let me know if you have any ideas or suggestions or you'd like to be a guest on a future show. And I will get right on it. For now, I have two Winnipeg comedians, Benji Rothman and Dan Goldberg. They are both just fun on a bun, and I'm very excited to have had them on the show. This was recorded back in Winnipeg, and I am now living in Toronto editing this. So it's been kind of an exhilarating first couple of days, kind of like scary and exciting and all kinds of stuff all at once. Um, but I think I am settling in, and, uh, yeah, it's cool to hear these familiar voices when I'm editing. So, Benji is up to a few things right now for the summer. He is doing the Winnipeg Fringe Festival. He has his own show called Nothing in Particular that starts on July 19th, and he's also in the Winnipeg Comedy Showcase on August 4th. Then, Dan Goldberg is also a busy bee. He is hosting a weekly show at the Cavern that's on Sunday nights, and it's an open mic night. That's actually the open mic where I first got my start, and it was originally run by John B. Duff, but now he's handed over the reins to Dan Goldberg, and he's been doing a great job running that show. So definitely, if you live in Winnipeg, go check it out and tell him that I said hello. So anyway, I wanted to interview Dan Goldberg and Benji Rothman because they are both members of the Jewish faith. And there is uh, my favorite storyline on Sex and the City is when Charlotte converts to Judaism for Harry, my favorite Sex and the City boyfriend. So I definitely wanted to talk to a couple of cool people about that, and I think I did. So let's, um, let's give it a listen. All right, Charlotte. Lesson number one. You have to give it a rest because it's about to be Sabbath, the day of rest. You want to be a Jew? Sit. Watch. Learn. Sex in the City is a Goldberg family tradition. (laughs) Is it? Yeah, we used to... My grandmother, uh, like in the 90s, it like this sort of ended like like in the first few seasons of Sex and the City, but my my grandmother used to have you know big family dinners every Sunday night, and like all my cousins and aunts and uncles would be there, and then yeah after dinner we'd turn on Sex and the City and like all the kids from ages zero to you know as old as my grandmother was would watch Sex and the City together. Was there ever content that they were like, that's enough? Like, did they ever turn it off? That's, the thing is, as far as it went in my family, it's always like, oh, I can't believe they're watching this, but then we just keep watching. Okay. Like, I was, I was never, the only thing I was ever censored to watch as a kid was you can't say that on television, uh-huh. just because my parents thought it was so stupid. Because of the slime. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, that was the only show I wasn't allowed to watch. Do you think you have a different attitude towards sex than some people because of that? Probably, but I don't know. It was, it was still like, it was on when I was a teenager, like early teenager. So it was like, it, I couldn't relate to sex in the, the fashion that like 30 year old women in New York could. Mm-hmm. It was like, yeah, different gender, different time, different everything. But it, it was sort of an insight, but it's like nothing... They weren't talking about any subjects that I didn't know about already. Yeah. Yeah. I learned a lot about the city. 
Yeah, yes. <laughs> yes, the fifth character in the show, as they say. Would you say that New York is like the fifth girl? Yeah. Like, do you think that, like, the themes of the show would work in another city? Or do you think the city's actually really integral to the show? For these women? Yeah. I think if they were in another city, we might be like, who the fuck do they, do they think they are? Right. Ha, that's true. I, I think I think the <laughs> yeah. specificity of, like, that, it's like, I think it could work in any city with a large enough dating pool where, mm-hmm. you know, they wouldn't see their ex for a few weeks, but that doesn't have to be New York. They're all so into fashion, and they go out for brunch all the time, and they, I don't know, they date all these rich men that if it were in any other city, right. I'd be like, where are you meeting these people? How are you affording these brunches? Where do you... Uh-huh. But, like, in New York, I just assume everyone's living a better life than I am. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, that's not like, the lifestyle. It's TV, probably the opposite. Yeah. yeah. TV New York, I should, uh-huh. I should specify. Yeah, that lifestyle wouldn't fly in St. Louis, you know? No. You wouldn't buy it nearly as much. Or they wouldn't be considered as average or relatable as they are. They'd be... Right. People would treat them differently, maybe. And do you think that that's what, like, New York is actually like? Like, how they depict it in the show? I don't think so. <laughs> Have you been there? I, I was there f- only for a few hours once. Yeah. Oh, yeah? On a day trip. I spent a couple days yeah. there a little while ago. But, like, as a tourist, you know? But, like, I was talking to... To Jordan Wellwood, who was just there, and like his sister lives there, and she works for in some big, you know, design company or something. I don't know. And I think, and the way that he was described to me, her lifestyle is the the lifestyle that I think happens a lot in New York and other big cities that are romanticized, San Francisco, L.A., whatever. It's just like she just works sixteen hours a day, you know, mm-hmm. and then like hangs out with people from work, and like maybe they go check out, you know, they go to some bar or something. So she's not home a lot. Yeah, and like I don't, yeah, like I don't, like I don't really think these people have time to have sex or to meet people to have <laughs> sex with, you know. I wonder about that because I remember I went through a period in my twenties where I was like, I'm gonna date the way that people on TV date because I'd always taken dating so seriously, and I was like, well, on TV, you're always just on a date with someone; it doesn't matter who it is, and I really had trouble facilitating that. Yeah, and I'm not a. Like, I'm not a Miranda. I don't, I didn't have that busy a schedule. It was just hard to meet that many people that I even wanted to go for a drink with. I, I do think that just, yeah, like the, it's, it's definitely a more interesting city than most cities in the world. And just whatever theme you put into that city, in this case, sex, like it's going to be more exciting. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, but like, that's what I'm saying. Like, I can't really relate to it watching it. Cause I feel like, like having sex in Winnipeg is not that interesting. Yeah. You know? <laughs> When you're in New York, just, you, know, you can get away with some of this stuff. You, you might hear you might hear the bus sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, and you're going to in Winnipeg. You're going to run into that person again. Oh, yeah. right, that's true. So with New York or even Toronto, there's a sense of strangers in the night <laughs> type feeling, as opposed to oh, you work with my friend. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, especially since the most common way to meet people is you know, people in your community, mm-hmm. you know, be it like your work community, the comedy community, that sort of thing. So you're set up to run into them again. Yeah. yeah. I think that happens 
Eventually, even in a large city, yeah. though, because you look at like Toronto. If you look at the Toronto stand-up community message board, they're very much this little nebula. For those of you listening at home, Melanie made a hand nebula. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, mean, I I wasn't gonna talk about it, but I'm, yeah, it was pretty good. Okay, well, thank you, thank you. That makes me feel... For our hearing-impaired uh, listeners. <laughs> it was a hand nebula. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it's... So, I think you can make, like... And with Sex in the City, um, what's cool about it, for me, is that I can relate to what they're going through with relationships, but they're living this life that I can't relate to, so I get to fantasize, but also be like, oh, me too, I felt that way. So, it's kind of a fun... Because I think if it were all the way fantasy, I wouldn't be interested in it. Yeah. But they're dealing with human, at the end of the day, human emotions. I guess so, yeah. Yeah, it, it's universal, but yeah, the, just just the way they live their lives in between is very different. Mm-hmm. And you know, I know even though they're, they all have these New York careers, like they're... Even with the jobs they have, there's no way they could be living like that. No. It, but it, it's that it's some of that TV magic, like friends had in New York with that giant apartment, and none of them ever had jobs. And they mm-hmm. and they always have a flippant way of explaining it. Like yeah. on Friends, it was there's one line where they say, "Oh, this is my grandmother's rent-controlled yeah. apartment, <laughs> so we're lying and pretending I'm my grandma." The landlord doesn't know that she's dead, basically. And they say that once, and then they're like, and now you never ask us questions about this giant apartment. I always had that problem watching fans. Like, this is an amazing apartment. It's huge. Yeah. And even Chandler and Joey's, which was supposed to be the shitty apartment, is huge for New York. And it's just across there. the hall, so it's like gonna be, it's going to be similar in value. Yeah. <laughs> so um, in this episode that of Sex and the City, great sexpectations. <laughs> oh, boy. How did they come up with this stuff? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's what a team of writers is for. But they, so we open with Carrie is dating uh, Jack Berger, who is also a writer. And she's, backstory, she's wanted to date him for a while. And he was in a relationship previously. And they are having a lot of fun and a lot of chemistry. And then they have some disappointing sex. Mm-hmm. Once again, can't relate to these things in Sex in the City, but yeah. Uh, played by the great Ron Livingston. Mm-hmm. He's he's always very good, always sad looking. <laughs> yeah, with his one eyebrow yeah. that's like above his other eyebrow. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely had a huge crush on the Jack Berger character, and when she had disappointing sex with him, it was like I felt it. But then, like, uh, like at the end when it's like, and then the sex was great. She didn't pose like any solution, like why it was better. It's like, oh, we just tried again. Yeah. I and, think. Because they were finally yeah. open about it, yeah. was maybe supposed to be the lesson. Yeah, I had a problem with that too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I like. Yeah, I, what, what did I want to know? What did he do? Um, <laughs> and can I do that? You know, <laughs> can I learn something from this man? Yeah, I've had talks with people about that's led me to believe that maybe this show should have been an hour long. Because in these half hour, you get an idea of like. You can relate to it in the sense that what if you really liked someone and then the sex wasn't good, but if it were an hour long, they, that conversation could have been longer and maybe more vulnerable. Right, right. 
I hadn't watched an episode in a while, but I always remember it as, a, as an hour-long show. I always it's, thought it was, too. You know, it's because <laughs> at our family dinners, my uncle would always complain about this. They they really did have twice as many commercials during Sex and the City as they really? did in other shows. Really? Yeah, if you timed it out. Yeah, it took 45 minutes. The 30-minute, like, of actual show was, was yeah, like a 50-minute spot. Oh, so like on, on TV, network yeah. TV, it was a 50 minutes. Yeah. Oh. So they, they know you're still going to watch it. Oh, yeah. It. So, yeah, it was it was a lot more commercial, so it felt longer. But, but yeah, like watching it all in one shot, I don't think I've ever done that with an episode of Six and City. It was like, wow, they're just blasting through the subject matter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they sort of just resolved it out of just talking about it, which I guess would work, but, like, there wasn't much talk. Yeah. They, it was just like, the sex ab- was bad. Yeah, it was. Let's try again. They talked yeah. about yeah. talking about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which actually isn't uh, unprecedented and unbelievable, you know. Yeah, usually, like, when I have a, a bad sexual experience, um, talking about it does help. But I think talking about it actually during the next sexual episode while we're doing it helps as well. You know, talk me through this. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they did. Like we see we don't really see it. We just hear the U two song and then right. <laughs> as you do. Put on a little U two to set the mood. Oh wow. <laughs> and then Samantha's storyline. She is very attracted to the waiter at the raw food restaurant. And at the time, this would have been early two thousands, the raw food slash vegan thing was kind of unheard of and very pretentious New York type thing. Mm-hmm. Which is another thing, like, if it was in another city, there wouldn't be a restaurant like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you're more of an advocate, uh, uh, what do you call it? An advocate watcher of the show? Oh, using the word avid? avid? Avid, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, thank you for the English lesson. Um, mm-hmm. Does Samantha have a type in general, or she just kind of switch changes her mind from week to week? She's all over the map. Um, she, I think, likes to experience everything that sex has to offer. But yeah, this is probably the youngest guy that she's that I've seen her go for. Oh, really? Throughout the length of the whole show? Yes. Oh, wait. She does. There's an episode where she takes a young college boy's V card. But that's kind of like funny i don't know it's not so much that she's like i gotta have it yeah yeah okay yeah uh yeah yeah i don't know i never know what to feel about samantha and in this episode it yeah like the he's he's a young guy and like it's i don't know how comfortable it makes me feel it's weird there were there were a few different storylines where they were and that that was one of them where they were they're they're just monetizing sex like at where she pays for the other woman's meal so she could take that guy home. Mm-hmm. And then and then when she's talking when Carrie's talking to Berger on the phone and goes basically says, "Yeah, you can come over for sex only if you have the cab fare." I asked a man who's yeah. cab fare. Yeah. That's funny. It, I didn't yeah. think about that at all. Yeah, but it they, and it's like it, it's definitely not in the realm of prostitution, but I but I think it's a big city thing, especially where you have to pay, where you have to pay for every minute you live in New York, basically. Yes, they're all yeah. prostitutes. <laughs> well, of everyone's life in New York is prostitution. Yeah. <laughs> well, and in a big city, 
you cannot have a successful relationship with someone who lives far away from you because mm-hmm. it is going to cost money. Yes, and time. You know, it, the other the resource that people don't have in a city like New York is time. Mm-hmm. That's part of why she pays for the woman's meal because she's yeah. like, I got to, this is something I want to do, but I got to get it done now kind of deal. Post taste, yeah. I, watching, I feel similarly to how I feel when I watch stand-up, uh, women stand-ups from the 90s where they made fun of men a lot, which I don't like to do in my stand Like, I don't like to make generalizations about gender at all. And the women in the 90s were very like, well, men are like this. And I think they were responding to the fact that for so long, male stand-ups were making generalizations about women. So they were like, now I have the floor. And yeah. like with Samantha, it's like she's objectifying this waiter in a way that made me uncomfortable. But for its time, they were probably like, oh, you watch a show where men talk this way about women all the time, so we're going to write this storyline to turn the tables. And I feel like that's a very dated, very 90s, early 2000s thing. It's like, how does it feel? Versus maybe we just shouldn't objectify service staff. (laughs) But, yeah, but, like, at the end of the day, like, beyond the nitpicking, it's like, yeah, she she just saw somebody she wanted to have sex with and it worked out. So it's like, there's, there's no victims there. At all? Yeah, it's just uh, I didn't mind her initiating the sex. It was the little comments like, oh, I got to wipe off my seat. Um, (laughs) I got, like, it felt gross. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, I I think guys all all have a a friend who's, like, talks that gross. But, yeah, you're right. It's, like, the the shock to hear it from a woman maybe at the time was shocking. But it's, yeah, by, by the time that show was on, it was, like... It was passe to have a woman saying those things. And to to have that the punchline is, oh, it's coming from a woman. Yeah, or certainly on a rewatch. Mm-hmm. Um, I, because, yeah, I did like that. I don't think the other women liked that she was talking that way. So mm-hmm. it's kind of cool to see, like you said, everyone has that friend who speaks that way, but hopefully someone's calling them on their shit. Yeah. And is the, is the, was the show kind of recognized for being uh, revolutionary in that, in that regard? Where it's, oh, now you, look, women talk like this too. Mm-hmm. Or like, did the Golden Girls ever talk like that? They did. They talked about sex in a pretty candid way, which was huge for the is, fact that they were older. Did they use cheesecake right. as a euphemism a lot for sex? Ha, yeah. I think um, they, I'm sure they did at least one episode. Oh, yeah. I'm going to have to rewatch. I know that cheesecake yeah. is always there. There's always cheesecake in the freezer, and they pretend it's not there. But yeah. then at some point, they just let loose and eat that cheesecake. I never thought of it as a metaphor, though. I'm going to have to rewatch yeah. it. Yeah. That's hilarious. Goldie, you should start it. <laughs> golden, golden. Yeah, there you go. Right Goldberg's girls. There you go. Yeah. Beautiful. And a lot of people compared this to Golden Girls, that they were like, oh, we're hearing women speak candidly about sex. I don't think Golden Girls ever objected. Well, maybe Blanche did actually objectify yeah. men. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not. Look, I guess it's uh, just. It shouldn't make you feel. Uh, the first thing that you want to do, like when you see that, um, and okay, that's a, there's a contrast there. It's a dichotomy or whatever. Um, is be like, well, okay, if the gender roles were reversed, and this is like some old guy talking about some young hot waitress, you know, like, we see that all the time, you know? And I, I don't think, and it, it, 
that's such a uh, that's always the first reaction when you see anything. Oh, like a, you, you know, someone posts online like about about you know, if, would you do this with a with a, you know with, if a gay man was doing this or with his straight friends or whatever or a Muslim with this. Um, and I just think it's such a um, it's such a lazy way to analyze something. Like, mm. well, well, what if it was flipped the other way? You know. Whereas, like, a, a whole, the, the entirety of variables change in that situation, you know? Like, if I was that waiter in the show, and there's this old woman who thinks I'm hot, I'm not going to be creeped out by it at all. I think it's going to be pretty dope, you know? <laughs> so, and that's just how guys think, you know? But I, I think I, what was different about that is, like, she was making all those flippant comments, like, wipe down my seat, blah, 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 but the, none of the other women reacted to it. They're like, oh, that's, that's old Samantha again, you know? Like, yeah. like I, I, it, it didn't phase him. It, she was more like the commentary, like, and it was just, yeah, like I, I never noticed before. I don't know if Samantha's like that in every episode, but she it is. was just all punchlines. Like she was just all punchlines. Samantha, yeah, she. I've had a whole journey with how I feel about Samantha and this show with rewatching it this time around, where like, she is one of the more intellectual people when it comes to... She's more progressive about sex than Carrie is, and Carrie's a sex columnist, which is an interesting choice. But she's also often being inappropriate in public spaces. And when I watched it in my 20s, I was like, she's cool! Mm-hmm. And now that I'm in my, in my 30s, I'm like, do you want to lower your voice yeah. when you're talking about being, like, wet from looking at this waiter? Like, it... It embarrasses me because I would, if it were my friend, I'd be like, okay, it's fine that you're attracted to the waiter. And if you want to try and, like, I'm not against flirtation or trying to initiate something. I just like people to be tasteful in in the way that they approach these things. That's understanding. Yeah, and, like, it, it does go beyond just, like, the female version of guys talking like guys where it's like, and you're right, like, if, if any of my guy friends were just to say, like, oh, I came in my pants when I saw her, and I'd be like, yeah, that's funny, but, like, if, if he was serious and creepy about it, I'd be like, dude, you're being creepy. Yeah. Or, like... Yeah. My problem with that is that it's not funny. Yeah. Know? Like, yeah. if he's going to say it, there's, there's other funny ways to say that, I guess, but, like, it's mm. like, if you're going to go, if you're going to say something like that, at least make it funny, you know? Yeah. I guess, like, I don't mind at all if... I'm out in a public space and my guy friends are like, oh, she's cute. Like, I don't mind that. Yeah. Because, like, you're allowed to be attracted to people. But if you're, like, if you start talking about your boner, like, or yeah. excretions, yeah. Um, I don't. I'm like, let's save, save it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, like, there is there is this whole conversation, though, because you said, like, that's just how guys are, so, like, you would think it was cool. But, and I do think that Samantha, like, hits on him in a, in a pretty tasteful way. Like, she makes her intentions known, mm-hmm. but she doesn't, like, grab him, and she's not... Correct. With him, she's not disrespectful, because I think... I don't know, I'm not a, I'm not a guy, obviously, but I think if someone was being... lecherous, you still might not enjoy it. Yeah. yeah, and they didn't show the actual charming pickup moment. It was just like her waiting at the end of the. Well, night. they showed she yeah. like unbuttons her blouse and yeah. like while she's ordering, but that's like the closest she gets. But like again, if we do gender gender reversal and there's just a guy hanging out at the restaurant for hours, <laughs> <laughs> and just then staring he, at the and waitress, then, then yeah. he unbuttons one button. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just <laughs> sipping tea. 
I think, with him and yeah. Estelle. Yeah. I think what's always going, what it's always going to come down to, and it is like, I do agree that it is a lazy way to analyze something by just reversing the roles because women are smaller than men. Like you said, there's so many more variables. Like if he wanted to get away from her, yeah. he could. Um, but... Yeah, I don't I don't like just flipping it, but I did think about it and I was like she I think what saves it is the fact that they do have chemistry and if it were gender reversed and there was a woman waitress and she was kind of smiling and kind of into it, you could maybe be like, "Okay, she's she's maybe interested and um and Samantha definitely gets some looks from from this guy, and he seems to be enjoying it, but then that goes into a whole complicated consent question of, like, how can you tell, and, yeah. ugh. <laughs> I mean, I always just make make women sign a contract. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just to be safe. Well, there's a question. If you were, like, a single person, you're out, and you meet someone who's, like, a server, and you're like, oh, she's really attractive, and I've been talking to her all night, and I kind of want to ask her out... How do you approach that? That's a great question. Uh, I mean, I, I go home and I, I curl up into a ball and then I, I write a very long message. I find her on Facebook, <laughs> write a long message, um, and then backspace the whole thing. And then uh, hopefully it never comes up again, <laughs> usually. But yeah, uh, yeah. This is a big should and would situation. Like, <laughs> the way you should approach it is. <laughs> never speak of yeah. anything again um, no I mean I I don't know I, I, I'm I definitely not an authority on picking up women okay um, I'm very uh, I'm not a very aggressive picker upper but now now that I'm a little older and like I don't give a shit as much um, I, I, I just you know I think that I would play it kind of similar to what, the way Samantha plays it, and that just throughout the the natural interaction of she's a customer, he's a waiter, you know, drop some subtle some subtlety that okay, I'd like to take this 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 customer relation this customer waiter mm-hmm. relationship maybe a little further, but very subtly, you know, um, like feel it out, feel it out. I don't think it's very I don't think it's appropriate ever to ask a waiter or a waitress for their number. Well, they're on the job. Yeah. You know what I mean? Even after uh, after I paid my bill, oh, yeah, and uh, can I get your number? They're at work, you know? Mm-hmm. I feel like that's a little inappropriate. Um, that's just me, you know? I'm not saying that uh, that I'm right or wrong on that, but that, that's that's my thing. Yeah, that, that's the thing, because it gets all muddy up, like, like where may, maybe, maybe they're not lying to you with, like, the way they're treating with you. Maybe they are flirting back, but then you gotta you got to know that, like, there's tons of there's tons of guys flirting with with waitresses all day just for the game like they like they don't even want to pick up on the waitress they just just for the game of it like yeah sure. it's yeah. kind of and like a fun yeah. yeah and yeah like i've I've been with friends of mine and it's like and they i like they didn't do this in their thirties but now that they're getting older they're just like talking talking like flirting with waitresses even oh, though man. they're in relationships and like Oh man, this is like just talk like they're a person, you know? Yeah, and I think there is there is some amount of healthy, harmless flirtation that 
hey, if you've been in a relationship for like eight yeah. years and you're like, I just want to feel attractive again. Like there's certainly, there's a social level of flirtation that doesn't have to get intimate that can give you that boost, but it shouldn't be at the expense of someone else's self-esteem. And, and like you said, she's working. And yeah, yeah. and you got to, yeah, and you got to recognize that like, like, yeah, serving staff, they're having these, these semi-flirtatious, maybe conversations with 12 different people all at once in the same yeah. hour. So it's like, there, there's, there's some dilution there. So you got to like, like the signals that they're giving off might not be, not, not, might not be as readable that's in what, situations. That's why I kind of cut mm. myself off when I was talking about how Smith, his name's Smith, eventually, um, how Smith is giving her signals. I cut myself off and was like, but then that's a whole thing about consent because, yeah, as a waitress, you smile and you um, are a little more like zing, zing, zing with like, like with conversation and you try and be on. And that isn't really indicative of how you feel about that person. Exactly. Yeah. And it, it's that's not necessarily a lie, but it's you're you're in the service industry. You got to be polite, and some people mean polite is flirtatious. Man. Uh, yeah, I've been to. I went to uh, lunch recently with a guy. It was kind of a business lunch. He's an older guy, like old, like seventies old, um, and and just generally probably just a creepy guy. And man. Like, he was, at, like, I, I've never seen this type of thing this bad before. It kind of shocked me. Where he's, like, he was legitimately grabbing a waitress's ass. This is during lunchtime also. Like, she turned around and, like, he would pinch her ass, like, legitimately. Um, and just be, like, just, she come up, you know, just saying creepy shit. Oh, the, you're looking pretty sexy today. Things like that. It's like, dude, first of all, this is lunch, you know. Uh, <laughs> this is dinner time talk. <laughs> I can't imagine this guy does a dinner. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, "Whoa!" I mean, and I guess maybe he's an older guy. Maybe that's like just old school thinking for me. That's just—it was just so goddamn awkward. You think he was trying to impress you a bit with his, uh, with his? Yeah, I think he probably thought it was cool. He's like, "Hey, I still got it, even though I'm this old guy." I was like, "Dude, you should be in jail." Like, what are you? What the hell? Are you yeah, that well, yeah, pitching a waitress is asking to get you. How and did the server... Yeah, how did she respond? Her response was... Uh, and maybe also the restaurant that we were at, this is just kind of maybe kind of the generally the crowd that goes there. She just kind of took it in stride and was like, you know, the, your class is like, ooh, you haha, silly guy, you know, when I can't imagine that's actually actually felt. I mean, I, no. I'm not going to go into her head and, and say what she's thinking, but I mean, come on, like this guy's just an old creepy fucking wrinkly bastard, you know? And that's a whole... That's a very depressing talk about how women women often feel, on one hand, because um, I know like with me when I was younger and someone would catcall me from a car or something, I would kind of like smile and wave because I thought that was more empowering um, and it was like I was taking it back and... Be but really what it was, was like, from the age of maybe 12, I started having guys, like, staring down my top, or yelling things at me, or saying sexual things to me, and it, it did, it made me feel really gross, it made me feel scared, it made me feel like a victim, so, you just kind of smile because you're scared, and you're like, okay, 
maybe if I just go with this, then you'll stop. And um, it's also the fact that sometimes men, when they're rejected, can act <laughs> in a frightening way. So it's just like, okay, I'll just take it in stride, like you said. Um, but when I really think about it, I wasn't enjoying being screamed at from a car. I was just taking it because I'd already had a few years of experience with it at that point and that was like, well, what else can I do? So it is really sad when you think about, like, yeah, their reactions aren't going to be... And even for someone like Smith, the way, like, the way that he, he has this pretty boy Hollywood kind of look to him... Do you think he every day encounters people like projecting fantasies onto him? They, they they made it seem like that he was like he was basically like a like a prostitute at the restaurant that served yeah. soup. Well, <laughs> That's because like because like it made it seem like like he was into whoever would wait around for him. <laughs> like he was just there for whoever waited the most. Yeah. Yeah. But then he says um when they have sex, he says, hey, I, I gotta tell you, um, you didn't have to order all that shit. I was ready to go home with you. So it seems like he did, in fact, like specifically Samantha. Hmm. Liked her moxie. But, but that's... But, yeah. That, <laughs> they, but, yeah, they'd also mentioned that, like, maybe the restaurant's good reputation was for the wait staff. So it's like, yeah, that's why the women were, the women were there for him, right? But I think yeah. he he's supposed to be oblivious to that because he says, I don't get it. The hostess keeps seating people in my section. So <laughs> is he supposed to be like kind of a... But then the next shot, he's wiggling his butt. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I think he knows what's up, but like he's yeah, just having fun. Yeah. yeah. I found the ass comment weird because he was wearing kind of baggy pants and she was like, look at his ass. And I was like, I can't, I see nothing. In, I see nothing. In oh, nineties pants were the worst. Yeah. Regardless yeah. Of gender. And I was like, I can't even begin to objectify him in those pants. <laughs> even if I tried. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that was my problem with the nineties. You can never tell how nice a person's ass actually was. You know? yeah, yeah. You had to have a lot of promiscuous sex just to get it. <laughs> <laughs> Good time. Yeah, but so, first ask questions later. Hey. Oh. Um, so at the dinner, what's also funny about Samantha having her whole, like, sassy talk is Charlotte is trying to tell them a very important decision that she has made. Oh. Um, <laughs> Take a seat. <laughs> yeah. So Charlotte. Settle in, folks. So Charlotte is converting to Judaism. I've heard it pronounced Judaism and Judaism. How do you pronounce it properly, first of all? Judaism. Yeah. Judaism? Yeah. Okay. Like Judy Dench. But I'm not referring to the religion Judaism. I'm referring to just, I'm a big fan of Judge Judy, and we call ourselves Judaism. (laughs) (laughs) So like all of her little comebacks are Judaism? Yeah, exactly. Nice. Well, that's good to know. Yeah. Just on its own. So, so Charlotte's like, I'm becoming a Jew. Yeah. Cool. (laughs) We'll take (laughs) it. Happy to have you. Yeah, yeah. She's already in show business, so I mean, it fits. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, no, I have no problem with Charlotte, with Charlotte being a Jew. Yeah. And then does she, uh, is she a Jew for the rest of the, the, the series? She is. And what's kind of cool about it, I rewatched, I rewatched the whole Jewish storyline. Um, and there's a point where her and Harry 
have a fight and are apart for a while and somebody wants to set Charlotte up and she says, is he Jewish? Cause, um, now being Jewish has become really important to her mm-hmm. and they think that she's going to drop it because she's not with Harry anymore. Spoiler alert. They get back together. Um, ah. but, uh, I just love Harry That's so al- much. That was also a storyline in Big Lebowski. Was it? I yeah. don't remember that. Well, Walter was, you know, he kept on saying things like Shomer Shabbos and, Right, right. <laughs> and it's be- and they kept on reading him. But your ex wife was Jewish. You're not Jewish. And he goes, It's very important to me. Uh, yeah. yeah. That's funny, and do you like how do you feel about because there are people who convert because they discover that this is something that's important to them. And then there's people that are like, It really was just for this so that I could marry this person. You know what I found and I don't know if you if uh maybe you can relate to this too, Goldie, is that um uh, a lot of the women I know that have converted, and men too, that have converted to Judaism just for the marriage because they're marrying someone Jewish, it's important to the Jewish person, they say, okay, sure, whatever, I'll convert. They become way more Jewish than the person that they married who is already Jewish. And, in fact, more Jewish. Most of the most Jewish people I know have converted from another religion and they get really into it, you know? Has that been your experience as well? I, I haven't known a lot of converts, actually, but... Uh... From from what I understand, that that usually is the case, um, and you sort of sort of believe it. It's easy to believe because it's like anything you choose to do, you'll you'll be more you'll be more That's into than well, something some, that that you're born into, right? Yeah, and point. something that happened in your adult life, like because for me, there's like sure. on a smaller level, there's bands who I for whatever reason, never discovered from years and years ago that I'll all of a sudden be like, oh my god, has anyone heard about this? And I'm suddenly like the biggest fan and everyone else is like, yeah, we're kind of over it. Yeah. Because they're used to it. Yeah. And I'll even find that with, uh, even that, like, I, I have aunts and uncles, all my aunts and uncles married Jewish, got divorced, and then married non-Jewish. And so now, like, at my Seder, um, like, you know, for Passover, um, most of the most of the women there are not Jewish, and they and even, they haven't even converted, and they're the most Jewish people at the seder. You know, like uh, you know, they're they're making sure we go through the whole Haggad, the whole Haggadah, the whole thing, doing all the prayers. Oh, they do they do the uh, they <laughs> the, love all the songs after the and real stuff. <laughs> yeah, yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Where's all the Jewish people? Like, yeah. can we wrap this up? You know? Yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah, man. My uncle Scott makes the best latkes. It's really. Yeah. <laughs> is Scott <Yeah>. not Jewish? <laughs> His name's Scott. Yeah. Is that is that something that maybe because it's newer to them they have a romance with it? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. It's also a cool thing, I think, yeah. to get into. I mean, like all that history, it's like, oh wow, I can be a part of that now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm a little biased of course. I think it's pretty cool. But there's there's also the thing with the Jewish birthright where like if you're born Jewish then you can't not be Jewish. Yeah. <laughs> like Jew, Jews, Jews. Even if you consider yourself an atheist, Jews will always consider you a Jew, um, which is kind of unique with the Jewish race religion thing always being yeah. mixed in together. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, when you can convert, it's an act of choice. So yeah, you're gonna get deep into it because yeah. that's the only way to do it. Mm-mm. And is that what happens to Charlotte? I mean, like, yeah. throughout the show, she's... Charlotte, um, it's it's actually, like, this is 
probably my favorite season, even though it's the last season, because Charlotte's been really uptight in the past, and Harry is not the type of guy she'd normally be with, and he opens, uh, he opens up her heart because it's more of a love connection than like, oh, he's exactly what I should be with kind of connection. And just by virtue of getting to know Harry and what a wonderful man he is makes her curious enough about Jewish people that she's like, well, I'll look into it. And then she starts taking the classes and then she, yeah, she really, she really loves it. It's really important to her. There's a really funny moment I like when she finally finishes because she takes all the accelerated classes and she's like, similar to your experience, like the keenest one in the class and she knows all the answers. Yeah. And then there's a part where she's, um, she's hammering, it's a little silver, do you know Mezuzah. what this is? Yeah. Mezuzah. Mezuzah? Uh, outside her door, and she's like hammering, and her super white neighbor in the apartment building comes out and is like, "What's all that noise?" And she's like, "Good morning, I'm a Jew now," <laughs> and um, and it's like she's very plucky and excited about being Jewish. And for me, I was like, "Oh, that's so cool!" Charlotte's opening up, and she's getting into this whole new thing, and she's letting go of her old rigid pers persona. But then I was wondering if to a Jewish person that would seem like appropriation or like she's play acting or well yeah with religion i, I don't say it's I, don't, I wouldn't think it's appropriation if you're if you're going in full board because and the thing is it's like you're not she's not like she's not painting her face to look jewish you know <laughs> like like no, it, she it, it's get a nose job it, it's very yeah, it's very different yeah it's a very <laughs> different thing with a religion but and she like, takes like she she does yeah. the work. Yeah. That that episode though, like specifically with the because she goes through the three rejections thing, which is uh, a tradition with Jewish conversion where you're supposed to be rejected three times before they let you in. But they they also they didn't portray that in a, in a manner that makes Jewish people look welcoming or even nice because they just keep slamming the door in her face not even talking to her and, yeah. and it's like well you know we, I think we that's talk to a pretty people. accurate description yeah depiction of jewish people yeah we <laughs> no no jews do talk to people they're not they're they're not you know by nature rude and slam doors in people's faces it i'm sure that sort of thing is handled you know in a more formal manner like mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, with verbiage. <laughs> are you a verbose culture, would you say? Yes, I'd say Jews are a verbose culture. Yeah, we're all talk. <laughs> yeah, there's there's nothing there's nothing in the Torah that says that you shouldn't talk to people of other religions. In fact, it's encouraged for for Jewish people to uh, be be a part of their community more than a part of their religion. Yeah, yeah. So says the Mishnah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, even in the give you a little Jewish history, there's the, there's the written Torah, which is the Old Testament, you know, um, and then there's an oral Torah, an oral Bible that was never written down for thousands of years with the, and the intent, I mean, you know, it's, uh, according to some scholars, is to encourage communication between the generations and passing these things on, you know, um, until eventually, at some point, you know, they wrote these things down the best they could, you know. Like a folk history. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, but yeah, getting back to Charlotte um, with this thing, and she, and I, I think, you know, it seems genuine in this episode anyways. Um, again, relating to New York, like as like we said, you know, sex is just cooler in New York. Being Jewish is cooler in New York also. There's just way more cool Jewish stuff going yeah. on, you know. 
Did you do some cool Jewish stuff when you were in New York? Yeah, but like, yeah, and to me, cool Jewish stuff is just, just is uh, going to a comedy club, you know? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or just like going to the deli, you know? It's like... Um, yeah, it's, it's easier... Well, it's more convenient to be Jewish in a bigger city. Mm. Definitely. Because, mm-hmm. uh, especially if you want to keep kosher, like... Like in Winnipeg, we don't have a kosher butcher anymore. I think that ended oh, like wow. five years ago. Uh, but yeah, in, in New York, if you want to eat only kosher meat, and it's That's you can go to restaurants and eat completely kosher. Yeah, yeah. I feel like diet, any kind of diet in a bigger mm. city. Um, like True. I'm vegan, and I make allowances for that here a lot because I'm like I just don't want to. I don't want a lot of fuss. Like I just I'll eat whatever. But when it's up to me, I eat vegan. Um, but in a bigger city, I feel like there would always be at least an option. Mm-hmm. Man, even just rolling around here late at night, just eating anything in a small, in a city like Winnipeg is like, okay, if it's past 1 a.m., you have two options, you know? Yeah. No matter what you are, just, if you're just a hungry person, you know? Yeah, or skip the dishes is pretty depressing past a certain hour. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Shut the lights off at that place, yeah. Yeah. Um... Yeah, so how, I guess, how, how Jewish are the two of you? Like, how much part of your, like, how much is, a part is of your life podcast? is it? How Jewish are you? <laughs> because you mentioned, like, kosher meat. Mm-hmm. Like, is that, is that something you observe? No. I, yeah, I'm you not... ate ribs last night. Yeah, yeah I did. <laughs> uh, I had an muffin this morning as well. Yeah, oh, yeah. Terrific. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like my know. eggs in McMuffin form, please. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just, uh, at this, I, I, I went to a Jewish school until grade 10, and then I went to a high school with mostly Jews that <laughs> wasn't specifically Jewish. Uh, but I think that sort of ruined me for the religion. Like, yeah, I just, I don't really observe anything, any of the religion anymore out of my own will. Mm-hmm. Um, when I do, it's just... Because my parents are there. <laughs> yeah. Do your parents keep coaching? No, not really. Uh, you know, like, they don't often cook pork or shrimp in the house, but they don't have two separate ovens or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, like, the how Jewish are you thing is, is a question that, that people ask me. Um, and then they follow it up with, like, like, do you eat kosher? Which is, like, the first kind of go-to thing. Well, there was a whole storyline, like, previous to this episode where Harry tells Charlotte he didn't expect for them to fall in love. He didn't think that she would be interested in him. So he's like, now we're in this serious thing, and I promised my mother before she died I'd marry a Jewish woman. But then he orders ham when they go out for yeah. for dinner, and she's like, what? And, like, it's so... Uh, I guess it's something people are curious about, like, what does it mean to you specifically? Because it seems different for each. It, yeah, and it really is. It's hard to describe, like, how, how Jewish I am. I mean, I feel really Jewish. But I don't, like, in terms of, you know, the rules by the book, I, I don't act very Jewish. And I think that just, that over time, especially just throughout the, the last hundred years, um, the, um, the separation of, of sects of Judaism and rules uh, has, the gap has kind of widened where, like, I mean, I guess my title and Goldie's title would be a conservative Jew, um, that, yeah, we don't go to synagogue, you know, we don't observe Shabbos, and, like, you know, we don't go to synagogue every Saturday, we don't not turn on the lights on Saturday and things like that, we don't eat kosher, and I would, now that's probably at least 90% of Jews, you know, um, 
and then the ones who actually the the ones who actually keep kosher and do all that stuff are the Hasidic Jews that you see, you know, walking in you know on on Saturday with the beards and the and the and the, and the hats yeah. and the suits. So so yeah, basically, what I'm trying to say is like there's there's very few people in in quote unquote conservative Judaism that observe a few of those rules. There's there's a few that eat kosher, you know, that that uh, but aren't fully fully invested into into Judaism like that, you know. But to me, it's more just, it's more the community and, and um, um, you know, the, the, the culture and identifying and things like that. Well, even you describe uh, Dan having, like, dinner and then sitting down and the whole family and there's all these ages and they're all watching Sex and the City together. Like, I didn't have that sense of community growing up at all. Like, my family's pretty small and, like, that that sounds nice. Like, is that community I, I, aspect I, I, part of it? It is. I don't think that's specifically Jewish, though. I think uh, the way your family is developed, sort of thing. It might be more of a minority thing, where you know you see that happen with a lot of minority groups, where they have large family gatherings and stuff. But it's. I don't think it's specific to any culture. It's just the way our family's wired. They just had, and you know, like, yeah, we just, you know, some people have large extended families, some don't. I have noticed that in my friend group, it is the people who grew up with any kind of culture that have mm. that versus like, I mean, my mom's first language was French and um, my grandma had, like was very French, but we, she married a, not a French man and I didn't learn it. And so I didn't really grow up with culture. I grew up with pop culture, but it wasn't like Oh, we gotta we gotta keep these traditions alive. Like I never had that. Mm-hmm. Did you have? Were you? Did you grow up with religion? Yes, I was a Roman Catholic, <laughs> and I loved it. <laughs> that's yeah. the, that's the fun, spooky one, huh? Yeah, <laughs> it's, I was it's like, good for goth kids. Yeah. Oh, it's great. <laughs> a lot yeah, of candles. I went, went through a little bit of a goth thing for sure. You can people can tell that about me. <laughs> I yeah, I loved in the church basement. There were these doors that. I guess when the nuns used to live there, they would use it to navigate around without having to, like, be in the actual church area. But then they were just secret passages. So, me and my friends used to go in there looking for ghosts. And then we didn't find any ghosts. But then we were like, we could haunt and make everybody else think that there's ghosts. So, we would go in the secret passages and make spooky noises. (laughs) Synagogues had that same thing, too. There's all sorts of, you know, uh, rooms in the basement and... Yeah. yeah, when the kids would get bored, they would just run around down there, play tag, yeah. look look for chalk to write things on the chalkboard with. We yeah. always, yeah. after Mass, had, like, donuts <laughs> and tang. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. See, that's one thing that, like, I don't know if this is just Judaism or not. Like, I think I, the whole story of Judaism, I'm not one to judge and say, oh, like, they're all, all history of religions is crazy. These stories are insane and ridiculous. Moses, Jesus, Brahma, Muhammad, whatever. They're all insane. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole gang. The whole gang. <laughs> but, uh, I like, I don't, one thing that I like about Judaism is that I can be a good Jew without going full out, like, um, like a, you know, like, I was talking about with Hasidic Jews or whatever, like, like if I, you know, if I help Jewish child family services, if I go to their fundraiser and, you know, like, and, and like, you know, pay 10 bucks to get in and help them raise a little money, like, I'm a good Jew, you know, if I, if I help somebody... Um, if I go visit my grandma, I'm a good Jew, you know what I'm saying? Um, 
And I like that part about it, that I don't have to, to be, to go all out to be a good Jew. Like, do you feel that way about Roman Catholicism or, or... Yeah, that's something that I stopped. I am at the moment not in any organized religion, and there was a part of me that was drawn, that's drawn toward like new agey, hippy-dippy stuff, but then I looked into Wicca, and it was so rules-based, and I can't... Why do I have to do this just because it's a waning gibbous moon? Like, what if I want to do it, like, a week from now? Like, I don't... Uh, yeah. And I just... The moon doesn't know what day it is. Yeah. <laughs> what, what about how I feel? <laughs> and, like, I just... I like the idea of... I consider myself a spiritual person, but I like the idea that I can own that and make it what it is. And that's something I've always... Um, I've always thought was pretty cool about... Judaism is, uh, I had a professor in college, Per Brask, who... Ah, oh, man. You know him? Yeah. Oh. I took one drama class in yeah. university, at UW, my first year of university, intro to performance, and he was the prof. Did you like him? Loved him. Yeah. Yeah. I just get so excited when I... We can talk about Per Brask. Yeah. Here. I thought he was, like, the wisest, the wisest person I've ever met, and that he, he would never... Act smart to make someone else feel dumb. Like if someone in the class, because it was a playwriting class, so if someone in the class liked a really mainstream play, mm -hmm. he would be like, oh, that play's great because of this. And he made everyone feel included and, and wonderful. And he was telling me that the Jewish faith is to struggle with God. And you're never supposed to just arrive at an answer and be like, well, that's it, and these are the rules I follow for the rest of my life. You're supposed to always be thinking about it and questioning it. And I was like, ah, there's nothing else like that, and I thought that was wonderful. I agree with Pear, as I normally do. That's what Israel means. It literally cool. translates to fighting with God. Yeah. That's so yeah. cool. Yeah. <laughs> Look at what we've learned here today. Yeah. <laughs> you can check this out. This is brilliant. I actually downloaded a Jewish uh, podcast just, to, just last night because I was trying to do some... On the research. Sabbath. <laughs> oh no, I'm so sorry. I think it was past midnight if that okay. helps. Um, but I was doing some research and I was like, there's so much, I can't take it all in. There's a lot to Judaism. It's never complete. It's yes. never complete. Is that part of it as well? I think so. I think so. It's never, yeah, it's, it's very, yeah, it's, ne it's never ending. There's never an answer. For every Rambam, you've got a Rashi and I, yeah. 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 <laughs> These guys. You see, it's, the Torah is like the American Constitution, a living document. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. But, and like that's, uh, there's, yeah, there's, um, uh, this might be true for all religions, but yeah, there's the Torah, and then there's a million other books that are just in different interpretations of these things that have been written down in stone, you know? What do you mean by that? every single word, every single letter, what do they all mean, you know? There's this, there's Kabbalism, which is like this, this cryptic, this cryptic meaning, and like, what did he really mean by that? And like, yeah, all this mm. stuff, you know? Yeah. And there's math in it. Every word in the Torah has a numeric value. Yeah. What? So there's people that find... There, there's all sorts of neat math tricks you can do with the Torah. Yes. It circles back on itself. Secret messages. There's patterns. Whoa. All sorts yeah. of things, yeah. yeah. <laughs> These things exist. That's neat. Mm -hmm. um, Charlotte at some point, I think it's in another episode, but she says that her and Harry are the shared, meant to be. Is that only a romantic term, or is that just life? It's the Jewish equivalent of a soulmate. Oh, okay, yeah. so it's a like romantic meant, yeah, term. Yeah, meant, meant to be together. Good answer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not terribly familiar with that term, but yeah, I've heard it. Mm -hmm. Do you believe in it? 
uh, <laughs> of soul, soulmate? Yeah. Uh, it's tough to say. It's, uh, there's a big umbrella of, like, what a soulmate could be, is it? Is it the perfect person for you? The one perfect person? A perfect person? It's, there's, there's a lot of definitions of that. Mm-hmm. What's uh, your definition? <laughs> I, I don't know yet. Randy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't believe in any of that stuff. I'm not much of a love guy. You're not? Yeah. I don't think so. I don't know. How does that, like, do you have conversations about that if you're dating someone that you're not much of a love guy? <laughs> yeah, they don't really end well. <laughs> yeah. No, I have the ability to love, but, oh, that's uh, good. <laughs> yeah. We yeah. worried about you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I just always wonder when people say stuff like that, what does that mean for you when you, what does that look like no, lifestyle-wise? I, yeah, I would, I would say I don't pursue, it was not a word that I would use for myself in, in, in relationships and just, you know, I just, I like to kind of, I don't take aim, you know, I like to sit back and make a big target, you know, <laughs> um, yeah, it's not, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I like, I like to, I like, I'm not going to be able to, I'm just one guy, I can't control this, this is a universe, you know, like we're spinning at a, I don't want to take this to that level, you know, we're not even high. Uh, but to think that, to think that, I'm not. I know you are. Whatever. But like to think that I have some sort of control and I, I'm able to control this, this, the, the world and people and things that are, I have control over anything is really kind of. I, I, I don't think that's really even possible. But that can be a romantic concept too, because I was talking to Ashley Burdett, very romantic, very much a love person, of course, yeah. and she said almost the exact same thing. Really? Yeah. So she was like, you know, um, because she's single at the moment and, um, and I felt this way, like I spent a lot of years being single and I stopped for a while. I was very much pursuing it. And then I stopped because I was like, I can pursue a job. I can pursue concrete things. But when it comes to a person with their own wants and desires, yeah. I might meet my soulmate and they're not in the mood to talk that day and we just miss yeah. each other, you yeah. know? So I was like, I guess I just have to live my life and pour myself into the things that I can control. And then, but I guess the romantic side of it is that Ashley and I are like, and I hope somebody, yeah. like that magic trick happens where somebody comes along for however long they're going to come along. But I think that the idea of a soulmate is that there's this magic trick that happens when two people meet each other and connect the right way. Because that's crazy. That's just, hard just to find. Mathematically, how does it make sense? Man, there's seven and a half billion people, right? Like, yeah. But that's that what... Your soulmate just happens to live in Winnipeg? Come on. Yeah. You know? But that's what I find. That's, to me, I, I interpret that in a romantic way that like when somebody, when you do find someone you connect with, and I think you can have a lot of soulmates... Yeah. Um, I, I think that's the part that's left out. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's like soulmate it's like, polygamous would, society. If, if I were born in Saigon, would my soulmate still be in Winnipeg? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, and there's a song yeah. about that. I'll link you. But they... But I think, like, you have people that come into your life for a reason at different parts of your life. And sometimes it's a connection that's going to last like forever. Sometimes it's like five months, whatever. But I do think there's something really magical about the randomness of the universe and just finding someone who is in the same place as you emotionally and physically 
and that you connect with, that you're attracted to, and you both want to actually date each other, and you both, like, I think that's, that's so hard to find that when it does happen, there is something kind of uh, spiritual about that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard yeah. enough finding non-annoying people that, <laughs> right? yeah, that, like, you, that, that you just want to share a sandwich with, let alone... <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, Sex. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Okay. First of all, I don't think that the, the soulmate is an eternal thing. Sometimes you're soulmates with someone for half an hour, you know? Yeah. You know? Have you ever met someone who you had an amazing conversation with, and then you try and talk to them again, and it's just not there? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes, it happens all the time. Yeah. Um, and it's all, it also doesn't always have to do with, like, love, I don't think. You know, like, I think, uh, you know, yeah, I mean... Yeah, sometimes I meet a friend who's is uh, me and Goldie are kind of soulmates in a way. <laughs> yeah, we talk about stuff like I see it, that. I yeah, see. Like, do you see it? <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I'm, I'm definitely not against against you know soulmate soulmateism, but uh, yeah, I just I, I feel like it's 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 impractical to to some degree. You know what I mean? I feel like what you're maybe rejecting is the pageantry of soulmateism. Pretty much, yeah. Which, yeah, I and Chad Anderson and I were talking about the fact that, like, when we became better at relationships was when we got a little more real and we're like, this could end. Yeah. Uh, versus going in and being like, it's you and me forever and having this very ferocious need for it to be it. Versus, like, wow, I'm really happy that you're here and I don't know how long this is going to be, so let's enjoy it. Yeah. I'm more for, yeah... Uh, that's the kind of practicality you need, and like, yeah, you you should focus on enjoying in the moment, and also just like, I don't. And big decisions should not be based on love, okay? If you if you think you should get married because you really love someone, I think that's kind of stupid. Or you have you should have a, a baby because we're in love, and like people in love have babies. No, I said, do you have enough money to have a baby or a wedding? You know, those are financial decisions, mm -hmm. okay? And mm -hmm. the 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 far greater percentage majority of the population makes those decisions based on love and I think that that's incorrect yeah there should be be in love and that's great and enjoy it but be able to look at it through a practical lens and mm -hmm. does this make sense yes yeah if you love someone and you can't afford a wedding take them for ice cream they'll feel the love you know yeah you know wait till you're ready cool. <laughs> <laughs> or like I was talking to Ashley about the fact that if you have a partner that rejects the idea of you being their partner, that's maybe an issue if you're someone who really wants to be in a long-term monogamous relationship. But if they just re reject the pageantry of marriage, I'm like, oh, I, I understand that and I support that. So if, like, I would rather have the partner than the big wedding day. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, that, uh, that is not, uh, that is befallen on some people. Well, yeah, it's, like, you see this is, like, a virtue in some characters in movies and TV, and it, and it's more of a virtue as they portray it in dudes, where it's like, yeah, he's always wanted to be a husband, or he's always wanted to mm -hmm. be a father, and, and that's never made sense to me, and, like, yeah, but to to who, like, yeah. like he he's just looking for that role, and it seems like, like he's, like, saying that you want to be a father just immediately sells, sells yourself short, because mm -hmm. you're just going to put a baby in anybody who'll take it. Yeah. Based on that one criteria of wanting to be a father. Or serial monogamers who, mm -hmm. like, um, I've been in relationships with people who were very much like, I go all in for however many months it feels good, and then I get out of there, 
And at the end of it, I always felt like an object, like you were just projecting these um, rom-com things onto me, and we had some nice moments, but we were living in a movie, and then the movie ended, and now you're gone, and on to the next person, and I was like, that didn't matter that that was me. You just wanted to be a boyfriend to somebody. Yeah, yeah. And that's what's kind of cool about Charlotte's storyline is she's already had a marriage. Harry was her divorce lawyer, and... Wow. Yeah. Plot. Jewish yeah. lawyer? <laughs> now they're breaking down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Actually, when she first see him, he's, he's eating a bagel. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. But Charlotte's been through... She's had the perfect marriage. That's all she wanted was to be married, and she found this guy that fit that shape. And she picked him, and it didn't work out so good. So now I think she can have a real relationship with Harry because she sees that that didn't mean anything. Yeah, this big picture idealism with marriage. Yeah, I, th yeah, I think usually it takes, you, it takes a lot of people one marriage to figure out that maybe that's not, uh, that's not how it works. Yeah, don't, do, don't make love-based decisions, as you said. Yeah. And, like, I think it depends on how you're conditioned. Like, I know for a while when I was obsessed with marriage, it was because I had cable TV and I was watching all these wedding shows and I just started to be like, God, I have a wedding. Like, and then when I actually worked in a bridal shop, I was like, this is a nightmare. The whole concept of a wedding, like, yeah, I think Benji was alluding to this earlier. It's just, yeah, it seems annoying and expensive and, annoying and like, expensive. a lot of time. <laughs> like, and the thing is, it's like, it's like, yeah, I have friends who got married and then, and then it's like, they'd been living there for a few years. They had their wedding. And I'm just trying to imagine, like, what's the next day in their house? Yeah, I know. <laughs> you know, yeah, they go back wedding. to their house the next day. Like, how is it different? Mm -hmm. Yeah. They, they got a lot of extra shit, which is good for them. Yeah. <laughs> you're you're wedding yeah. and you're like, it's, it's this big, beautiful celebration. You're like, this, is, this will be the best day of your marriage, of, the, of yeah. your entire marriage life. I've often wondered why, specifically women aren't conditioned to celebrate other things in a big way. Like, because I love the idea of, like, buying a new expensive dress that I normally wouldn't justify the expense, and getting a photographer, and having all my friends and family in one room. That sounds like a great day. But why does it have to be because I'm getting married? Like, can I just celebrate something? Like, yeah, like an achievement, perhaps? Yeah, I think, well, like I was saying, you know, it's all this... this big picture thinking you know you gotta you gotta enjoy the small the small stuff mm -hmm. like a bagel you know yeah get a bagel like a bagel while you're waiting for your client yeah <laughs> just get all sweaty <laughs> well toasted some schmear yeah you got some schmear on there you can celebrate that you know mm -hmm. i don't think that's anyone mm -hmm. i would venture to say that you everything that you're saying I think you think it makes you less romantic, but I think it makes you more romantic. Because <laughs> you're like, I love the little things, and like, let's just enjoy, let's go for ice cream. Like, I didn't want to, like, that, that all sounds to me more romantic because it's about the person and connecting with the moment that you're in. Oh man, I'm a great date. I don't want to make this myself sound like a monster here, you know? <laughs> I am, I, no, I'm, I'm fully just in, I like watching other people have a good time, and I want to make sure everyone's having fun. You know, I just don't want to put a baby in that person. <laughs> yeah, or like make a display of it, which I think marriage is making yeah. a display of it versus just connecting. 
Yeah. Now, now, comedians, let's keep this in check. <laughs> we go on stage and talk about silly shit that we think is important for yeah. five minutes at a time. Everybody shut up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, so like, I, I'm not going to, if that, if that's their, you know, narcissistic outlet is like, I want a day for me and my partner and we want everybody to praise us and give us stuff. I'm not, I'm not knocking anybody for that, but it's no. just not. I, I don't think like like for me right now it's not the, it's not a way I want to spend a few months planning out this big event. That's yeah, very yeah. true, and I will say like invite me to your wedding, <laughs> yeah. I will love it. Like, yes, I exactly. Love going to other people's weddings. Yeah. I I enjoy it's a party. Yeah. There's cake everywhere. Everybody, yeah, it's nice to see everyone looking nice. Great. It's a it's a good day, and if that really is important to you. I would never, I just think it's about being authentic. And mm. if you as a couple want that, that's, that's great. That means yeah. you're living your authentic. But what I saw a lot of working in the bridal shop that I worked at was interesting, creative people doing something cut out of a magazine yeah. that they felt they had to do. Yeah. And I was like, why don't you rent out an art gallery and just have a party yeah. and sign the paper if you if that's what all you want is to be married. Yeah. I used to be in the wedding industry as well. I used to shoot wedding videos. Oh yeah. Yeah. And uh yeah, so you see that all the time. Especially when you when you're when you're actually at the wedding and shooting the video and stuff like okay, we need this shot, this shot, this shot. It's like what like do you how often do you ever actually like look at each other and talk to each other like that, you know? Yeah. Um but you know, I mean, yeah, it's it's yeah, people have that it's because it shows like sex in the city, you know, where yeah. these things just get totally romanticized. Well, what was kind of cool um, about Harry and Charlotte's wedding is there keeps being all these mistakes and things that go wrong. And Charlotte is distraught and she's in the bathroom and Carrie comes to her and she's like, you know, you're missing your wedding. Like you met this wonderful man and you're in love and you're missing that because you spilled wine on your dress and like, who cares? Mm -hmm. Like... Just be here and experience this moment. And then Charlotte's like, yeah, okay. And then she gets lifted up on the chair and it's good. I think it's amazing what a horror can do. It can yes. really yeah. turn yeah. someone's day around like that, you know. It looked fun. Oh, yeah. It's, all, it's always the bouncing chairs that they should, should show off what Judaism is in movies. And they always have the bouncing chair. And it happens in Judaism. But I, I feel like I feel like people imagine like everybody in a Jewish house is always bouncing <laughs> chairs around. Like, You're like, not bouncing yeah, chairs. It's, it's just bagels and bouncing yeah. chairs. I mean, we're bouncing on the couch right now. Yes. But yeah, it, it takes. It's not, and it's never as it's never as fluid as it is in the movies because you need to find. Oh first God. of all, you need to find like. To, to do two chairs, you need at least eight really strong people yes. oh. with a lot of... You don't know how many yeah. horror accidents I've seen, and they, it gets ugly. <laughs> we had uh, a couple weddings ago, I was at, the grandma is in the wheelchair, and we just took the whole wheelchair and, and did that, and did the horror. And, uh, you know, God rest her soul, she was a, she was a great grandma. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Those hips will never be the same. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's never it's never just pick it up and go. It's, it's like you got to gather people. You got to get yeah. the big guys. The, the not yeah. I'm tired big actually. Guys. Or, uh, yeah, my legs are tired. My arms are tired. So you have both done it a lot, and yet you say, oh, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, a few times. But but it's like, yeah. but look, I, I like the horror part. Yeah. Of, it, of course, you know. 
I feel like I feel like that's like if they if they don't want to do it like with with the big hats and like uh, and the pace like the curly hair yeah like then they'll just have like the chair lifting thing is a signal oh this is a Jewish family yeah. this is a Jewish celebration <laughs> but but yeah. the, but the the Hasidic Jews and the and the big hats and the hair they do the they do the horror too mm-hmm. they do the chair that's the, really the one thing about Judaism yeah brings all of us together yeah the bouncing chair yeah not the bagels or the, also the bagels. Ah. <laughs> I don't know. Do we really like bagels more than everyone else? I, I was guess. just wondering how that became a thing. I Me was going to look that up really before. Yeah, well, is it a Jewish deli thing? Like, I guess so. I guess so. It's I like yeah, like you said, it's not specifically a Jewish thing anymore. It's like it's also like somebody found a way to condense half a loaf of bread into yeah, a delicious. donut shape. Yeah, and it's that like comes in a million different flavors. Yeah, yeah, it's like. It's like, wow, like, why would this not be popular? It's like, yeah. pizza is not an Italian thing anymore because it's, it's bread and when cheese and sauce. It's all the Tropical moon.